Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Inflow podcast. Owning and running your own business can be uncertain, frightening, hectic, as well as vibrant, exciting, and fulfilling all at the same time. Whatever your experience, becoming an entrepreneur is most definitely a journey worth taking. My name is Anna Ambika, your educator, business mentor, serial entrepreneur, and lover of nature, yoga, and climbing mountains, and your host of this vibrant channel, Entrepreneurs in Flow. As a serial entrepreneur, mother, and wife, I've experienced over 25 years of those daily troubles and the turns you have to take on the entrepreneur's journey to keep in flow. I want to bring you to a place where you hear from myself and other inspirational entrepreneurs about their journey to the success that they have created. This channel is a place for you to feel energized, empowered and encouraged and also learn about the real entrepreneur business challenges, strategies and lessons that helped to positively grow the entrepreneur mindset. From the offline success stories to the online tech triumphs, I want you to hear journeys and paths of all walks of entrepreneurs, whether they are on or offline social media. I know you feel empowered, encouraged and on fire for the things you need to do and learn. So this is the most definitely the podcast time well invested in your busy entrepreneurial day. And me as your business mentor, I'm really excited to support you on your journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Entrepreneurs in Flow. My name's Anna, and I'm your host today. And today I have a fantastic guest, someone who I've known for many years and has been producing all my video content, incredibly talented, Andy David. So Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you for the invitation. Fantastic. So Andy, I want to start off the interview with if you could give a bit of information about yourself. Before you started your business, what were you getting up to? Tell me a little bit about yourself before you started MethodWorks production. So I think one of the most difficult decisions to make when you're a young person is how you're going to spend the rest of your life and the decisions you're making with regards to education and what you're choosing to choose in your college and your university years. So I initially started thinking I was going to be a doctor and I had just this fascination with the human body. So I studied all of the sciences along with psychology and I thought, yeah, maybe I'm going to be a doctor or something like that. But I soon lost the passion when I started to think about the long term future, the excessive training, the excessive education that I'd have to go through, also how my work or my life might look in that position. So then I I really kind of sat down and I took a gap year out from college. I started to think, like, why was I doing what I was doing? And what it came down to was I wanted to be of service to improve people's lives. So then I asked myself the second question, is there a better way of doing this? So rather than being there to fix things, to help people, like when they have an accident or when they're in trouble and they need some medical assistance, is there a better way of getting to them before they fall down that trap or get into that situation. And then I realized that the most powerful tool that we have as human beings is communication. And one of the richest mediums we have is video and film. And that's when I made the decision, I'm going to start getting back into training and learning and educating myself in film. And I went back to college studying media studies now. I still did a little bit of uh, the human body stuff, but I studied media studies and followed that on at university with a master's and a bachelor of arts degree in film production before I came out and kind of got into the actual industry. Amazing. 
I think you told me once before that you went to University of Portsmouth. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Isn't that incredible, Andy? Because I've known you, I think we were calculating well over 10 years, perhaps even 15. It was only recently when I asked you to come onto the podcast that we realised that we're both from University of Portsmouth. And I'm sitting here now recording in the University of Portsmouth. So that, that's quite incredible that you actually went to the same university as well. We are the alumni. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an incredible story how you've actually pivoted from thinking that you want to be a doctor but then you worked all through this stuff to then get to the point to say this is what I want to do and then you've taken action by taking responsibility for that decision for that interest and then gone and studied it and this is what entrepreneurship is about right entrepreneurship is about taking charge and understanding that entre, entrepreneur is actually meaning, you know, self-motivated and that you've shown at a very, very young age. So, so tell us more about what you do and how you serve. I want to know everything about MethodWorks production so that all our listeners are understanding what you do and what services you provide. So in a nutshell, MethodWorks production is a digital media company focused on video and film communications. And we primarily produce internal and external communications for businesses of all sizes, from independents all the way up to global companies. And we also provide our freelance services to marketing agencies to enhance their own offers. And occasionally we produce videos for music artists and short filmmakers. Wow. <laughs> That's in a nutshell. You put that together very, very nicely. And um, all our listeners will be very happy to have that clarity of what you offer. Going back a step, I'm going to ask you to pivot there a little bit. When you were at university and then you were setting up Method Works Production, I want to ask you, how did you come up with that name, Method Works Production? Oh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. I used to know the answer to this off the top of my tongue. I remember that branding is a very important part of being recognized and being known. And I wanted to come up with a name that not only was for the brand itself, but actually had meaning to it, had layers to it. And I can't exactly remember the exact moment it came to me, but the, the philosophy behind Method Works is sourcing and finding a method that works in whatever you might be doing in life. So it's like a life philosophy rather than just a business philosophy. And if the method isn't working, you find a better way. But if the method is working, you keep doing the same thing to repeat the success that you're having. So I think the moment that came into vision, and this was back in maybe college when I was doing like a media studies project in college, and we were told to come up with a name for our group. That's the name that I came up with. And it's stuck ever since then, because it's like, like I say, it's a, it's a grounded philosophy that if you stay and maintain on the idea of constant and never ending improvement and always seeking better methods, then you're always going to find success on the journey. And that really underpins the growth mindset, right? Because when we, we're operating from a place of fixed mindset, we're never going to be thinking that things can get better. For you, you're underpinning that because we're looking for different ways to improve ourselves, taking the highs and lows. But when we have lows to actually say, you know, what is causing this low and how can we pivot from it and how can we improve that? And everyone in business has to have a growth mindset, right? Yes, yes. 
Tell me about some of the low points and the pains and the struggles and the challenges during those early stages of starting up Method Work Production. So I did do some work initially as a freelancer before I actually started the limited company that I have today. The decision to go into that was actually because I was frustrated with the way other people were running their companies and how they were executing their projects. And I knew that there was a better way of doing it through this idea of MethodWorks. So when I started as a limited company, as an official registered active limited company, I think there were three main areas that were big challenges. And I'll just highlight them as points now, and then maybe we can um, talk more about them. But they were, number one was doing everything alone when you start a company. Number two would be the marketing and sales, the actual generation of business. And I think number three would be the unforeseen cost of actually running the business. So those would be the three areas of challenges that I think starting a business, I wasn't aware of or wasn't so prepared for when I started. So how did you overcome them? Tenacity, <laughs> patience, strength. I think it's just a learning curve. So obviously, I think when you begin a business, it's important to do a lot of things alone or to, to build alone in order to actually build a very strong foundation so that you're more prepared to hand things across to other people once the systems and the processes and the foundations are set. And also to learn to trust and to respect other people's skills and their abilities and to let go of the ownership to somebody else. I think a lot of business owners, when they begin, they're scared to do this because obviously it's their baby and they don't want it to fail and they don't want it to veer off the train tracks of what they've already envisioned. And we're scared to actually hand over responsibility to others, but it's learning to manage the whole thing from the top umbrella perspective to have, again, systems in place to ensure that, okay, if something does go off the tracks, you can bring it back into alignment again. With regards to marketing and sales, again, that's just a building process. So it's understanding how to market and how to generate sales, how to build interest in your own business, your own company, and how to sustain it and to create targets that are reasonable and realistic along the way. And I think finally, for the unforeseen costs, it's something that you just absorb along the way. You, For example, business rates. Business rates is something that you have to pay once you get a premises of a certain status. And a lot of people, I don't think they realize that this is like another tax that they are going to be forced to pay once they get into business. But it is something that you just generally you end up absorbing because you realize if I want to continue down this path, I'm going to have to pay for this. So in the next year, I'll be more prepared for it. So it's a learning curve. It's a continuous learning curve. And with growth, there comes pain, right? The growing pains. I always think of starting a business as almost like having a child. And uh, you're almost going through that kind of aspect of growing the pains, the challenges. You know, you're growing as a human being and there's going to be those highs and lows. In those early days, who helped you get through this? Did you have mentors? Where did you get help from? So when I initially started, I think I was starting to build a network anyway of like-minded individuals who were in a similar position to me with regards to they weren't actually working for production companies or film companies, but they did have a very creative expression that they needed to release from themselves. But when we talk about the actual establishing the foundation of the business, obviously as a filmmaker, I needed to have equipment. Now I could obviously hire out equipment, but that would be very expensive and risky at the starting stages. It'd be a lot more pragmatic for me to own equipment in some respect, and then to be able to use that as and when I needed to do it. So one of my first biggest steps was sourcing finance in order to purchase this initial 
run of equipment so I could start executing myself as a filmmaker. So I actually went to a friend who was doing quite well for himself, was making good money. And I just took the bold step of asking him for a, a quite a large loan in order to buy the initial camera lights and sound equipment. And luckily, he said yes. And that's one of the biggest things that I'm never going to forget. I can never thank him enough for believing in me to actually help me to build a business. That's incredible, Andy. And in those early stages, these people that have faith in us, that friend, he's been a part of that journey. And he's He's still a part of your journey because spiritually, we're talking about him today. So these angels, they come and they give us these gifts and it's enabled you to now manifest this business that now is, is growing incredibly. Is there anything you would have changed in those early stages and struggling points in the early stage? Of, is there anything you would have changed on reflection now, thinking back? So I'd actually say no, I wouldn't change one single thing because the strongest way to learn and improve is through experience. So as you mentioned about the pain, you have to go through these pains and these struggles to become stronger, to be more worldly, to understand greater depths of the challenges that are being faced, to actually overcome and build systems and processes just to conduct yourself better in the future. So I wouldn't change anything because I wouldn't have had those lessons if I didn't go through those stages. Absolutely. And it's all about mindset, right? You know, the three areas is having passion for your product being able to communicate that really, really well to your audience and think about your audience and having that mindset so that it's in that growth mindset. It's not fixed. And if challenges come along, how can we actually solve them by digging deeper and looking for those answers? So I love that. That's amazing. Lots of golden gems coming from you there. So I want to move on to um, just asking you a little bit more about Method Works again. And in terms of the work that we do, it's so important. I just want to talk about the videos that you've always produced for us. High quality. I always have people coming back to me and say, who created your video? And I give them your business card and your information. But Share with us how important has one sort of transformational story, how important it's been to one of your clients. If you can remember anyone where you've done some fantastic work that really shifted things for you. When you came away, go, wow, look what I've done with this company. Can you share some of those stories with us? Yeah, so are you talking in respect of the transformation of the client or the transformation of the business, our business? Both, because I see when a business is growing, you are affecting energy onto the client because you're actually giving them something in terms of marketing, sales, this is what you're doing. And then they are actually having an effect on that and getting more clients. But actually, you're getting energy back because you're actually going to get more clients from that in terms of recommendations. But actually, you're getting a buzz. You're in that flow state when you're producing great videos, you know, are adding to your testimonial bank. So really, I'm, I'm talking about what shifted. Think of a client story when that was amazing for yourself. So I think looking from the client perspective, we had a lot of clients come to us, let's say the first five, five years I've I think it became more prominent when I was in the early stages of the business, but they would come to me and they would say that they had a really bad experience with another company, another video production, film production company. You know, they were looking for somebody to obviously come in and fill their shoes and to do a better job. To me, I couldn't really understand what they meant. And obviously I took the time to question that and understand what they meant. And everything that came up to me seemed just like basic things. Then obviously we then produced videos for these various clients that had bad experiences. And then, as you mentioned, they were really happy with what they got. But also then they couldn't stop talking and, 
about us and recommending our business to other people. And what I couldn't understand is how they got involved with companies or how they trusted companies in the first place that could not deliver what they expected or could not supersede what they expected. So I think that would be a big kind of transformational story from the client's point of view with regards to that. I guess if they ask the right questions and they also, they know what they're looking for themselves with regards to not just the product or the service they're looking for, but the kind of people that they're looking to collaborate and create with, then it, it makes the whole experience more prosperous for all parties. And then it makes a better product that they can use, obviously, to promote themselves. So what you're saying is that your methodology, when you're actually working with a client to produce, a, say, for example, a promotional video about their company, you're, you're doing a lot of groundwork beforehand to make them think about what their message is and actually make them do a lot of the work as well. Yeah, so we call this a discovery stage. This is before we even quote for a client or we engage with the client. We ensure that not only are they very clear about what they want, but we're also very clear that we're not only happy to do the project, but we can do what we call like a better job. We can try and find places where we can add value to that as well. And that discovery stage is so important because you need to be in alignment with your customers, with your clients, in order to have a prosperous journey together. Absolutely. Absolutely. What else has impacted you when you've worked on a job? Have you come across any particular jobs when you're videoing and you're producing a, a client's story that you'd almost thought, you know, I mean, do you get emotionally involved to the point that sometimes you think, OK, I'm not sure whether I can deal with this particular job? Does that ever happen in your work? Yeah, so I was talking to my team recently and I told them that one of the secrets of doing a great job, this might sound counterintuitive, but I told them that whenever I go out on a job, no matter how well prepared I am to do the job, I'm always anxious and I'm always unsure and I'm always kind of keeping in the back of my mind, are we going to do a great job? Because that way, in every moment that I'm executing the service or the team is executing the service, I'm always checking and making sure that we're on track and we're on target. So rather than just letting things go, it's almost like you're always being conscious about the actions and the journey that you're on. So yeah, it's like I say, it's slightly counterintuitive, but I always feel anxious when I go out on a shoot. But that works for you. Confidently anxious. I'm not worried. Yeah. That's really interesting. So as you know, I'm besotted with Chickney High's theories on happiness and the state of flow and how you can be in flow when you're in a workplace. And it's that place where you are so absorbed in something, but it actually doesn't feel like a challenge. It almost feels like enjoyable. So what you're saying, that's really interesting there, because you're saying that actually that anxiety and that in-depth involvement emotionally in my client's work, you're in flow, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. You have to be, especially in the, the creative industry, you have to be. You're completely committed at that time. And it's almost like we're, we're putting on a performance ourselves when we're actually providing the service. And we have to ensure that our clients are having a great experience as well as us. So if something did happen or something did go wrong, the client shouldn't be aware of it in the respect of how we're aware of something. We should be able to immediately respond, react and find a solution so that we keep moving to that that target that we're all aiming for together. As an entrepreneur, how important is it? I mean, obviously, this, this is everything you live and breathe. You're in flow. You're doing this all the time. You're doing this for clients. How important is it? If our audience of entrepreneurs, please iterate to them. How important is it to have quality video content in the 21st century? We're surprised that even after 10 years of setting up the business, 
video is still in demand and still growing. And I think that's just because of the technological advances that have occurred and the way we consume now media around us. So video is so impactful when it's done well and when it's done with quality. We've all seen a film at the cinema or something on TV and we said that was rubbish. And that could be subjective, that could be an opinion, but it also could be because the creators of the show aren't thinking about the audience, the people that they're actually creating the content for. So when content is well made and it actually emotionally resonates and engages with the audience, it's a very powerful and priceless tool to use for a wide range of purposes. And the business owner has to do that work right. They have to give you the storyboard because this is like storytelling through video. They've actually got to do the work themselves because then they know what we call them, their client avatars, who they're selling to, because then the video is actually going to speak directly to those clients, those potential clients, right? Yeah, agreed. The, the client shouldn't be making the video for themselves or based on what they necessarily want. They should be thinking about the result that they want to achieve and who that result is going to come from in order to create a video that has impact. Absolutely. I love that. I love those bits of nuggets that you're saying there because it's everything that sales and marketing is about. It's not about you, the business owner or the corporate. It's about what is the effective change that you want on the end user and how are they going to use that product and service. And if you actually tune into that, zone into that, you will make your marketing, your media, whatever you're producing, people will just be queuing up because you will actually only be talking to the people that want that product or service. I can't remember who said it, but there's a saying that goes something along the lines of, if you want to win, help others win. And that kind of then follows that status of, if you want somebody to really enjoy and get the best out of uh, your product or service, then you're going to win from that as well. Absolutely. So we should always be focused on who we're aiming our product or service at. Absolutely. Yeah. So what sort of things, as a part of your development over the years, and you got into video production, did you have any particular influencers or, you know, gurus that you followed? Like, how did you take the path? And mentors we've talked about, like, who is there in, in your corner? Who is out there all the time for you? It's been 10 years, right, since you started the company? Yeah, just over 10 years. This is going to sound slightly strange, but I actually felt quite alone along the journey. From a very young age, I always ask questions. I ask big, heavy questions. Because of those questions, I'm seeking, continuously seeking answers. So every time I met with somebody along the business journey itself, there was quite a few different kind of mentors along the way. I would always have these meetings and kind of put things forward. And they would come back with, oh, have you tried this? Have you done this? Have you looked into that? And my answer would always be yes, because I asked those big questions initially. And then I went out and tried things. They were kind of stumped and couldn't have there was no innovation in their answers or what they could offer me. So I felt quite lonely because I'd already done the work. I think they assumed that as a new business, I wouldn't have done yet. So I'm still in that position now, kind of, as well, where there are people that I don't necessarily look to for answers. I understand that, again, through experience and maybe innovation is not an easy thing to do. And trying to break the mold of what we are used to and what we're comfortable with is very incredibly difficult. And you have to do that alone, I think. So I think maybe that's part of why... I say what I say because I want to be innovative and I want to change the paradigm of how this industry looks and feels and works. I love that. Thank you so much for being so honest and sharing something quite personal there because what you've actually said is that incredible that you shared that because what you're saying is that when you've gone out and got mentors or someone to help you, you've actually done the work. I wish all my clients would do the work. When I go to a, a mentor session or coaching session, 
They don't always do the work and that can be incredibly frustrating. So it, it's great to hear that when you do the work, then you've come back and said, okay, I've done the work. I can move, push to the next level. But I do want to say to all the entrepreneurs listening that it is very important to seek business mentors and it's very important to just judge yourself on reflection of the conversations that you're having with them. So I'm not kind of suggesting do the work and don't seek other perspectives. I'm saying still do the work ahead of meeting anybody, as in continuously do the work, but always be open to opportunities. Always look for, is there something here that maybe I could learn something from? Because you never know when an opportunity may arise. Mm, Absolutely. And what I particularly like about what you've said there is that there will be other mentors. And I've always said that when I'm working with someone, I say like, I'm here at this particular part of your journey. But if you go back to your childhood, it would have been your school teachers or someone in your school. And then when you go to college, when you go to university, there's always going to be someone and your parents and your family and your network are all your mentors. And it's having that growth mindset and ensuring that growth mindset is not just about something that we just say, but actually we live it. It's in everything we do, whether it's a sporting thing, whether it's something about, uh, say, you developed an allergy and you're not getting on with a certain type of food. What else can I eat? It's still growth mindset, right? It's still going on to the Internet or going on to Google or chat GPT now and asking the question and saying, you know, becoming a, a mini Wikipedia where you're just Googling and finding the answers. Because actually, Andy, you're a true example of an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur, entrepreneur, is actually like a Sanskrit Indian word. It comes from a meaning of self-motivation. So when we talk about the monks and going back to sort of ancient India, when they would think about how they would seek the spirituality within themselves, you would have to seek that from within. Entrepreneur comes from that. I think there's some French findings in there when I researched the word and there's some uh, Sanskrit, which is a very old Indian, it's the oldest Indian language. And it's about being self-motivated. It is what is it that I need to do to seek me out, to get to that state of happiness, to get to that state of balance. What is happiness? That state of flow that we can almost feel we are just walking in air around the universe and we feel absorbed in the universe. So five years from now, picture your future self. There you are. What do you see? Where are you? What's going to be happening? What's important to you? So I think right now we're focused on the next five years. We're actually working on our um, business plan again. So it's, it's really important to keep your business plan updated and to refresh, renew, and realign with what you stated at the beginning when you first created a business plan. At the moment, we're focusing on building a niche in the video and film production industry in order to kind of be known and recognized for something. So in five years' time, we'd obviously hopefully be recognized and known for that niche. Also to build a stronger internal team, because I think I need to start, what I was saying earlier on about doing everything alone when I first started the business, I need to start even more handing away my responsibilities, the different facets of both business management and creativity of the project away to other people in order to grow the business and to develop the business so it's larger, bigger and can do more. So five years from now, it would be a bigger team and me spending less time doing different tasks like basically changing the hat every five minutes to me just focusing on what my passion what i'm really passionate about what i'm really good at what i'm really strong at also i guess having a even more stronger marketing plan marketing efforts to raise the profile of our business even further and also expanding the footprint of the business so obviously with a bigger team and more demand with equipment etc we're going to need more space to work from 
So I think with the internal side of the business, that would be the areas of growth that we're looking at in the next five years. That's amazing that you've got complete clarity about kind of a five-year plan in your business plan. Are there any particular sectors that you want to drive into more? And which sectors do you work on more in at the moment? Or is it just anyone that aligns with your values? How does that work? Like Over the 10 years, have you found any particular type of sectors that you work in more? Yeah, so when we first started the business, we were just interested in film work. Coming fresh out of university, it was just, I love making films. I love the process of communicating use and the visual image. Let's just do stuff. And again, through experience of doing a variety of different kinds of productions, and also understanding that if this is going to turn into a business, you need to work where the money is, where the money is going to come from to pay you to do these projects. So when we started out, it was corporate commercial music and film. But then what we realized over the past 10 years is, is that independent filmmakers don't have great budgets, don't have a lot of money. Independent artists also for music industry don't have lots of money and can't do lots of things with video production. So we ended up kind of funneling into business and commercial work, corporate and commercial work is what we say. And that's where obviously they have money to do internal and external communications. And therefore we spend a lot more time doing marketing now than we do the more, let's call it, fictional creative productions or projects. That's what we do a lot of business in at the moment. There's sort of SMEs, small, medium pies, enterprises, pretty much any kind of business that you would support. So the internal communications would be more for the larger companies and global companies. The external would be more for the, uh, yeah, the small SMEs that want to do some sort of marketing focus or push to attract more business to themselves. At the moment, it is growing substantially in that, isn't it? Because obviously people are using YouTube. They want these clips that they want to take for their Instagram reels and things like that. How much has it grown in the last five years in terms of the demand? There's two facets of that question that you have to look at. So the demand has definitely increased because video content has increased, as in the use of video content has increased, especially short form media online. Business owners are realizing that they can use these platforms to effectively, very quickly create content and put it out there. It means that the demand is a lot more higher on the actual content itself, but the quality and value has diminished. And at the same time, because of technology increasing and becoming more available, a lot of people are now doing or creating their own stuff. So the demand for high quality stuff done by professional companies isn't necessarily growing as fast as the demand for the content is. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. There's a demand for content, but there seems to be a compromise on the quality because you're saying the technology is so ahead now that, you know, people are doing self-made YouTube videos and then sticking it on YouTube. I think there'll always be a demand for that niche in terms of your values. Your value proposition is high. Therefore, the people that will feed into your values are obviously myself knowing you and working you as an absolutely outstanding video production company for 15 years. I know that there will always be demand for very high quality companies like yourself. Leading on from that, just talking about the growth in content, have you done much work looking at how ChatGPT can actually bring out content and how that can then feed into video as well? So I haven't, obviously this is a very new technology and it's only, we've only been really aware of it heavily over the last couple of months, really. And to be honest, I did actually have a discussion with a, a copywriter the other day about scripts and about using GPT for uh, scripts. And is she concerned about 
this technology. And she straight away said she's not bothered one little bit. And she said that the thing that this technology is lacking is the emotional connection. Yeah, it can write things, but it's writing things based on its access to let's call it templates or existing materials that's already out there, but it can't create what a human can create. So as far as I'm concerned, if she's confident with that, then I'm currently confident that it can be useful in certain aspects and in certain ways. And it can definitely be useful if, for example, you can't afford to pay a scriptwriter or a copywriter to do something, and it will give you a good foundation for something that maybe you yourself can't write. But like you said about video production, in the long term, there's always going to be a desire and a want to hand over the responsibility to create something to a professional that you can actually have a discussion with and actually can negotiate and debate and critique with rather than something that a machine is creating that you can't have that kind of conversation with. Exactly. I mean, I think it's a really interesting arena to using AI. And and I understand that at the moment, there's no authenticity in that. They have to rewrite that to make it your own anyways. You're actually just getting the content and then you have to put your spin on it to make it your own. I think something like AI at the moment on these uh, portals like the ChatGPT cannot at the moment, I cannot see how that can be used in video apart from getting core outlines as to what you're going to talk about. Um, but apart from that, I think it would be pretty difficult to use for video at the moment. Well, there are also other technologies. Are you aware of uh, DALI? What does that do? So basically, in a similar format to ChatGPT, there's also these other technologies that um, are text to, let's call it product creation. So this is in images. This is in video content. This is in 3D models. So these technologies are blowing up massively right now. And you can basically go online, type something in, I want this or create this for me. And it can do it for images, for photography, for digital... Digital printing, you're talking about, yeah? I'm talking about actual moving images as well. Mm. Oh, wow. And it's not there yet. That's why I'm not worried about it. But we are getting close. There is one technology where you can ask it to create a short film. And again, it's not perfect. But the fact that it's already on the verge of happening now means that we have to be aware of it because you have to stay ahead of the curve or you have to be at least aware of it. Otherwise, you become like Blockbuster Video, who the streaming came along and then they lost all of their business, didn't they, to Netflix? They sat on the back foot and alongside Kodak, which is such a shame. I mean, Kodak, oh, look. That don't talk to me about Kodak, but the people that were the movers and the shakers at that time to see that they've disappeared off the face of the earth is a shame. And like you said, blockbusters too. But it's nice to be aware of what's going on. You might have customers that will come and say that they create this content from ChatGPT and then they want to use it in their video. But actually, are they actually resonating correct values and mission and purpose and actually the core of their business through that because they've just generated it? from from someone else to me at the moment that worries me that I would be asking my mentees or anyone that worked with me to say okay have we actually changed the content so it sounds a bit more like the company ethics as opposed to it coming out of various different portals does that make sense yeah and it's also the company voice as well so every company has a a tone or you know a a character to the way it writes Mm, things mm. and a computer can't necessarily do that for you whereas a copywriter can Absolutely. Absolutely. We all have to keep ahead of the curve and be thinking about all these things and how it will impact us. But that I just went off into a different direction there, but only because we were talking about the increase in content versus quality content. (laughs) 
I'd love to ask you really to close off. I know you've given us so much nuggets today and so many snippets to implement into daily entrepreneurial tips about, you know, getting videos out there and what people should do if they're starting up a business or they've started it and they're stuck with the video side. So in terms of your key learnings over the years, if I was to ask you to talk three key learnings and how that would help an entrepreneur. Could you share them with us? The first one would be be patient. I think a lot of people, they get very excited at the start and they don't understand the journey that's ahead of them and how long it might take to do things, but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So being patient and taking your time with yourself, with the people that you work with and with your clients is really important and something that you have to learn. Patience is something, what's it? Patience is a virtue, right? But no, we have to instill this in our mentality in order to achieve and to be successful because some things are going to take a lot longer than we expect. That's number one. Number two would be to seek higher value for everyone involved. So not just for yourself or for your team or for like always look for higher value. And again, that, that's going to involve listening and understanding everybody around you. This comes back to, I guess, the philosophy of the method works, but seeking extra value or higher value is what keeps your business growing and keeps you moving and keeps you successful because you're always trying to improve. So seeking higher value would be number two. Number three would be to build systems and processes and continually evaluate and improve them where possible. So we've got to be effective as business owners. And to be effective, we need to have systems in place that help us to be very efficient and to move quickly. So anything that we can do where we can what's the word systemize it there's another word for it but to optimize it in order to create a faster process is really important for us and we should look for that continuously in every action that we're taking is there a way we can do it quicker and more effective but that'd be number three number four would definitely be to never stop learning something that we touched on earlier on because you can never know everything and our landscapes and our businesses are always changing always adapting and always shifting so never stop learning would be number four i think the final one would be i think this would be the most important one as well is to never forget why you started. A lot of businesses that I've seen, especially the biggest ones as well around the world, they start with a purpose. They start with a very strong objective and then they might get distracted by money or by other opportunities and they forget who they were when they started the business. So number five would be never forget why you started and stay true and focused to the objective. Always reflect back on the reason why you started the business. That's fantastic. Five great steps. I'm just going to run through them again for our audience. That's incredible, Andy. Number one, patience. Number two, seek higher. So always dig deeper. Number three, systems in place. Make sure you have systems in place to carry you forward. Number four, adopting a growth mindset at every opportunity and being solution focused. And always number five, zone back in, as Simon Sinek will always say, into your why. Why did you start this business? Zoning back into why. And anybody out there, please read that book, Simon Sinek, Start With The Why. Another great book, since we're talking on books, which has really come through by Andy's opening of this podcast today, when he said that one of his key traits of himself was that he would always ask questions, ask questions to the mentor, anybody that was asking him and ask questions to himself. And and a great book for that is a book by someone called Alan Pease, as in P-E-A-S-E, similar to the Pease Pods, but Alan Pease. And the name of the book is The Answers Are In The Question. The Answers Are In The Question. So becoming more question orientated and asking why, what, where, how, when and how are the ways that we can definitely pivot and traject 
anything that comes into us in terms of a hurdle in growing our business. And the only one I would only add to all of this, this great list is actually becoming emotionally resilient. So weathering the storm in terms of when those difficulties come up to be able to understand that weathering the storm is a part of that process, as Andy said, the highs and the low and building that emotional intelligence and it's only when we can actually challenge our thoughts beliefs and behaviors and know that when someone is if you're in conflict with someone then their map of the world and where they are is not necessarily what you're saying your map of the world and then understanding where the conflict is and working through that so challenging your thoughts beliefs and behaviors if perhaps even if you come across conflict in your teams And when you're growing your business, as we know, we do have to collaborate, but these things can come up. So emotional intelligence and emotional resilience is on my sixth point to add on Andy's fantastic list. As you were saying as well, I think it's it's, you've got to be prepared that it's going to be challenging at some point. And the more prepared, as in the more ready you are for that, the more you're aware that it's not always going to be easy. It might start off easy or you might enjoy it at the beginning, but it will get difficult and you should be prepared for that before it comes. Because then when it does come, you're like you say, you're more emotionally resilient to weather that storm. And as uh, Winston Churchill once said, if you're going through hell, keep going because it will get better. But you've got to be resilient. As you said, you've got to be resilient. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, challenges are opportunities to learn more, grow more and get better and to embrace your changes and grow your life. Because after all, right, why are we here? Right. Why do we exist? If we don't have those challenges, it would almost be boring because life is about understanding that the challenges are taking us into a direction that is enabling us to think further and challenge ourselves. Have you enjoyed today? I have. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I hope we've had some value to the entrepreneurs that are learning and listening to. Of course, incredible value because I only invite people along that are going to add value and you definitely have. Guys, if you want to get any videos done, please contact Andy. He's a soul, amazing soul. He has a wealth of knowledge and he has a structure and a system. And what I love the most about working with Andy is that, you know, he has a strategy. He's very strategic. He'll tell you what's happening at every stage and keep you informed. And I think that's important when you're working with a videography team. But Andy, thank you so much for your time and thank you for all those lovely nuggets. I'm sure my audience will love all those bits and those nuggets that you brought us today. You know, all I can say is thank you so much and being on Entrepreneurs in Flow today. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much, listeners. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and look forward to you joining us on the next episode of Entrepreneurs in Flow.